You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and on my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, I'm Mark Tuminelli, and welcome to the Little Me Podcast. Today is a very special day for me because Daisy Egan is here. At 11 years old, Daisy Egan won the Tony Award for Best Performance by a Featured Actress in a Musical for her incredible performance as Mary Lennox in The Secret Garden, making her the youngest female Tony Award winner in history. Daisy has had an unbelievable career in the theater, appearing on Broadway in The Dead, Les Mis, and the recent national tour of The Humans, and on film in Losing Isaiah, Ripe, the Tony and Tina's Wedding movie, TV shows like Without a Trace, The Unit, Numbers, The Mentalists, Girls. Daisy, you've done a lot of stuff. Hi, Daisy. How are you? Welcome. I'm, you know, I'm okay. How are you? I am also okay. Yeah, my psychiatrist the other day, um, he said, how are you? And I just, I was like, um, and he said, yeah, I know. It's like asking a Jew how their Christmas was. <laughs> yeah, it's t- It's a tough time. We're having a tough time. But, uh, yeah. you know, we're, uh, we're here. We're going to talk about Broadway. We're going to talk about you. And right. that makes me happy. And if it can bring joy to one other person... We've, we've done doing, our job. We're doing our job. So you just got married in the pandemic. <laughs> I did. Isn't that crazy? I like it's so on brand. It feels right. <laughs> it's on brand. You know, it's so funny. Um, I guess it is on brand, right? That's really funny. Um, we did it because, you know, it's my son's father. And we have known each other for like 11 years now or so. And, you know, it's been sort of on and off and our son is seven now. And uh, it sort of went back on like a year and a half ago. And uh, and then he lost his health insurance because, you know, because his job, he works at Guitar Center and Guitar Center closed. And so he lost his health insurance. And I, for the first time in many years, had like the cushy SAG health insurance. Well, that's a big congratulations. Right Thank there. you. I know, right? That's an achievement in itself. And so I was like, well, I mean, let's just get married. Like, I can't have you not having health insurance. That's ridiculous. So um, we did. And then uh, right, like, right before the sort of ceremony that we held for friends and family, because we got married in the parking lot of the Honda Center in Anaheim. I love it. It was so much. romantic. 
It's this little booth set up with like bulletproof glass and a mask over where the peaky holes are. Um, and then like right before our ceremony on Zoom for our friends and family, uh, Guitar Center opened back up and he's getting his health insurance back. <laughs> so I was okay. like, can we cancel? We got our KitchenAid stand mixer. Somebody sent us that. So let's I'm just very jealous it. about that. I saw it on yeah. your Instagram and so I need I, one desperately. I make butter like all the time now. You're like a like a wife on the prairie, I making am. butter, you know, grabbing, keeping your kid educated. That's it's, right, killing squirrels and making stew out of them. God. Wait a minute, I swear, edit I swear, edit, we'll edit it out. Um, <laughs> I think anyone who has a kid during this time, it's just like a special hero, because I cannot imagine having to be a teacher and a mom and a dad and a person. Yeah. And it's really hard. So bravo. It's hard, but I have, I have to say that I'm very, very lucky in that my sister moved to LA in February and she moved three blocks away or not even. And um, she works for herself. So she actually comes over and does all the school. Thank God. Because it turns out I am not good at teaching math and grammar. Well, you're good at teaching theater, which is how I sort of met you when I brought you into Broadway Workshop to teach the youngins when we were doing our own production of Secret Garden back in, I think it was 2011. Um, And so, yeah, that was, you're very good at that. Well, thank you. (laughs) So if, if Monty needs, you know, the musical theater training, I'm sure you can help him out. No, he's not anywhere. He's not allowed anywhere near a stage (laughs) until he's 30. (laughs) Okay. I I had a question about that. We'll get to later. Um, So let's go back to the beginning. So you're a kid living in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. at like nine years old. Is that when you first saw your dad do uh, a play? Yeah, it was the summer before I turned nine. So I was, I was, you know, just about to turn nine and I saw my dad do this play. He had been an actor like way before I was born and, you know, it was too stressful for him, um, which is the case, I think, for a lot of people who, yes. who pursue this. And uh, his doctor said, I think you need a break. And he he very smartly took a break. And that turned into like a 20-year uh, 20, 20 break or so. Um, and I saw him in this play that he did sort of as a on a whim. And I was very taken with it because I was horribly teased in school this was back when we called it teasing and not not bullying Mm -hmm. um and (laughs) there was a lot more uh leeway given to uh bullies at the time so I just sort of endured like five years of of bullying in in elementary school and I was miserable and so this idea that like you know obviously I'd watch tv and I don't think I'd seen a lot of plays but the fact that there was my dad being somebody else uh, I knew instantly, I was like, I want to do that because I want to get to be somebody else. I wanted to just not have to be me for however long, you know. Um, and so I asked them if I could try it out. And they were very hesitantly supportive <laughs> because, you know, my mom had like Drew Barrymore in her head, which, at, you know, at the time, uh, Drew hadn't had her comeback and she had sort of had a, a very... Um, way too adult time in Hollywood at way too young an age. And also Tatum O'Neill, you know, who has horror stories about sort of growing up in Hollywood. Um, And she, that's what she had in her head in terms of child actors. And so she was very hesitant, but I was, you know, I was pretty, I think, stubborn. 
And so I think they thought I'd do some like community theater and like get it out of my system. Um, but you showed them. <laughs> I sure did. Here we are, three years later. <laughs> um, okay, so you start, they get you auditions or you find auditions in the newspaper is how we used to do it. We're the mm-hmm. same age. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's how we found auditions, right? Yeah, and backstage, they found yeah. an audition for a musical version of A Christmas Carol. I was at a BAM. Yes, it was a BAM, Brooklyn Academy of Music. And which at the time, like I had no idea what a big deal, like that's a huge yeah. deal, you know? But I had no idea. Um, and also when you're a kid, it's like all of this stuff seems, well, okay, so this is what life is. And it doesn't take, it takes many, many years for you to be like, oh, this is not what life is normally. <laughs> this is not real life. Um, so I went in to audition for like, you know, a chorus part. And uh, they asked if I would read for Tiny Tim. I, I'm not sure why. I didn't have a song prepared because I, it didn't occur to us to have a song prepared for a musical theater audition. This is how like green we were. Um, so I sang Row, Row, Row Your Boat. A great choice. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's dynamic. Uh, it goes a lot of places. A lot of um, joy in it. Great. A lot of joy. And it, you know, it really tells a full story. Um <laughs> musically it has a big range um and so the director went into the other room to see if I could project and he came out and he was like I th- I'm pretty sure they could hear you in New Jersey <laughs> <laughs> and um my dad being my dad was like oh you know I used to be an actor too and so he read for Bob Cratchit and I read for Tiny Tim and we both got cast I love that. Isn't that great? It's a good first story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we would drive to work together and run our lines and it was terrific. And so did Lamez just come right after that? Because that was like if you saw a talented kid in the early eighties, yeah. you'd be like, You should be in Lamez or the late eighties, yeah. as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every every child in in the tri-state area was in Lamez at one point or another. <laughs> like if you could get to the Imperial Theater. Right. The Broadway theater. The Broadway, right? yeah. yeah. You started at the Broadway and then moved to the Imperial. Right? Yeah. And my audition was at 890 when 890 was still a wow. thing. And so if you could get there, you could do it. Right. And I remember I came in and there was this holding room full of little girls in like white dresses with patent leather shoes and like sausage curls in their hair, you know. And I was wearing a stained sweater that was too big for me and leggings and like red high top converse and like maybe we brushed a hair through my hair a brush to put a brush through my hair um and I think that's ultimately what helped me get the job because I think there were so many like overly polished that was like right on the heels of the Annie era um so there was that sort of brassy um belty sound that was very popular and I think I just came in and and you know, I didn't know about that. So I just sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow like a nine-year-old would sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I think they were probably just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Someone's not singing tomorrow again at the top of their lungs. Was that such a wild thing to go from normal kid in Brooklyn, seeing if we could do this thing to booking your first Broadway show fairly quickly? Yeah, it was, com- I mean, yes. It's funny because again, it's like at the time, you think, oh, this is how it works. Okay. And you just sort of get on board. You know, you don't have any, you don't have any reference to be like, this isn't normal. So I think at the time I was like, you know, it's like looking back at old photos of like me with, you know, Alec Baldwin and whoever, like all these huge celebrities that I 
met and I had no idea like how cool that was at the time. And that's not like a normal thing most nine-year-olds right. are doing. <laughs> right. right. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was crazy. I stepped onto the stage for my final callback and it was, I didn't know what the, sh- I didn't know anything about the show. I hadn't seen it. And, you know, the barricades were in two parts in, you know, separated in the wings. And I didn't know what they were. I just saw like all this furniture glued together. And I was like, what is happening? And I was tiny and the stage was massive. And um, yeah, I think mostly I just thought like, oh, the, maybe finally the kids at school will stop making fun of me. <laughs> did, did they? No. no. <laughs> I like, mean, it didn't it help hurts. that. Yeah, it didn't help that the first part I played was a boy. So there was that. Um, and I mean, it you know, there was like the, the day that the kids made a field trip and came to see Tiny Tim, Christmas Carol. That was neat. But that was very short lived. And then, you know, I just got it went back to like getting shoved into the lockers. And then on Wednesdays, you know, over the PA system, they would be like, Daisy, Egan, come to the office with your books and clothing. And everyone would be like, ooh. You know, I'm like, guys, I have a matinee. I'm not in trouble every Wednesday. I have a matinee. I have to leave. I have to go on Broadway. (laughs) That is great. Um, So how long were you doing Les Mis before Secret Garden came up? Were you auditioning a lot? Tell us about that time. Um, I was auditioning some. I was not doing the thing that all the other kids, I wasn't doing commercial auditions. I wasn't doing jingles. I wasn't, that's what, that's what, that's what the other kids were primarily doing was like jingles and, you know, like kids bop, whatever that was before it was kids bop and like um, a lot of commercials. And uh, my mom, again, she just wasn't interested and this wasn't about making money. She was really interested in that. um, Oh, I should know this. What's the law that they passed to prevent parents from taking Oh, that's the, um, that, um, what's his name? The actor is like, yeah. you know, uh, anyone <laughs> right in, it'll come to me. I can't Google and talk the, to you but. from the studio. Buddy, buddy, yeah. No, buddy. No. Um, we'll edit all Coogan, this. Coogan. Yes, that's right. Right. So she was, she was very much like into that whole thing. And she was, she was researching writing a, she was a writer. She was going to write a book about like kids, you know, kids and working and what their rights should be. And, so she wasn't interested. It wasn't about me making a lot of money, but I was auditioning for like movies and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if it, if it had artistic merit, my mom saw saw the good in it. Um, and I I went and did a film for HBO, um, and they let me out to go do it, which was sort of unprecedented. I think to this day, I think that's because my parents were normal, um, and they all the other parents were such insane stage parents that they were like well the option is to let her to let her leave the show completely and you know bring in god knows who else or to just let her go for six weeks and come back (laughs) so um i did that and then uh yeah and then i auditioned for the secret garden it must have been in the spring of 1990 wow uh um yeah. Was that a long process of auditions? Because I imagine finding, you know, all of the little girls in the, you know, we're probably trying to get in on that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't remember the timeline exactly, but I know that I, I think I had three auditions, which I think at the time was like pretty standard. Cause I think that's also what I had for Les Mis. 
Um, it was like a time you could only have three auditions and they had to start paying you. That was um, probably, that but was now probably I think it. you can have like 33 and they don't. Oh my God. I had, I once had six auditions for babes in arms. And finally at the end on my sixth audition, I came in, I was like, guys, this is ridiculous. Like clearly, you know, I'm te- like, just either give enough already. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all just move on. There's nothing more I can show you that I don't. <laughs> right. I didn't, I didn't book it. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so you're auditioning uh, yeah. for for secret garden and it you get it <laughs> and i get it it was crazy but it wasn't um, a show yet you know so it's like you don't well, have it was, that yeah. it, no exactly it wasn't like auditioning for lame is where you could go get the cast album and buy the t-shirt everywhere and blah 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 and there wasn't an ad on tv for it um it was supposed to happen i think i want to say good speed um opera house if I remember correctly. And so I left Les Mis and very shortly thereafter, Goodspeed like went bankrupt. I think they just done Kiss of the Spider Woman and they just ran out of money. <laughs> um, so the production fell apart. And that was, that was the first of many <laughs> Of 30 years of like, I have a job. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> That's why through this whole situation now, like people are devastated that their shows of like shows that they were supposed to do aren't going to happen. I'm like, been there, done that. I mean, it's terrible. You know, yeah. you're devastated. But like, I always say, do not celebrate until you're having champagne or eating cake at the opening night party because literally anything could happen before then. Just ask Ben Foster. Yeah. So Goodspeed gets canceled. And then do you think it's just a done deal? Um, Yes. And Les Mis asked if I wanted to come back. And I was like, no, Um, I want to go be a regular kid. Uh, So I like went to summer camp and I sang I Dreamed a Dream in the talent show. It's great. Good, great and job. somebody, you know, one of the parents came up to me afterward and they were like, you could be on Broadway. And then, and then just recently in like the summer camp alumni page on Facebook, someone was like, I remember you singing, like, I dreamed a dream at a talent show. <laughs> like, That's right. That's right. The, the long haggard story of a sickly prostitute as sung by a 10 year old. Um, and at some point that summer, they decided to do like a, you know, a 29 hour reading or whatever it was called back then. And so we did that. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, we did a a backers audition. I mean, this was back in the day when, well, a lot of Broadway houses were dark. There wasn't a lot of stuff going on. Um, and Times Square was not what it is today. Um, but you know, we had the backers audition and then what was it that February or January we were in rehearsals for the Broadway um, production. I feel like these days it's like, it has to have 18, you know, out of, out of town tryouts and, you know, five labs and a workshop. It is uh, sort of insane. So now, but you're not, now you've moved up from your little Cosette moment to the star of the show, which is a a much bigger backpack to carry. Did you feel that pressure or you were just, tell me about what that felt like. Um, I think I must've, I don't think I was aware of the pressure, you know, like I think, yes, I think as an adult looking back, I can see like (laughs) what, 
that all sort of did to me and how it formed me. But I think at the time, it just seemed like fun. Uh, and The Secret Garden had been one of my favorite books. I had read it multiple times before the show was ever a thing. So, and I had acted it out in my bedroom. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it just, I, I don't know. I guess in some ways it felt like, oh, yeah, this is right. Um, uh, but, and, and also I think part of it too, is that because I wasn't trained and because I wasn't like the, you know, my parents weren't my managers and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think I'd ever watched the Tony awards before I was, uh, you know, nominated and, and won. So I didn't really even have time to like, Want fully to understand the gravity of what was yes. happening. Yes, right. It's, right. It's not like I was like, I've waited all my life for this. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I just found out about this two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you feel like they took care of you, like the company and the producers? Because this is, again, a different time before kids were really the stars of Broadway shows, with the exception of Annie. I can't right. think of a ton of shows that there were kids in. Well, point. it's funny. At that point, there was sort of a little, a little spate of shows. There's like we're all, you know, we're all forty years old now. All these kids, and we're like, God, we we were all on Broadway. You know, there was like Will Rogers. Rogers yeah. There was girl. like, yeah, Lost in Yonkers. Um, there was King and I, I think, at some point around there. Um, at any rate, but no, it wasn't like it was today. And I will say that I think they took as good. Uh, care, care of me as as they sort of knew too. <laughs> yeah. I think now being a parent, you know, and sort of going back over those years, I there are things that I would have done differently uh, had had I been the parent in that situation, or had I been the producer, or whatever. Um, you know, like like having a kid get up at four in the morning to do like the morning talk shows when they also have to go to school and they're doing um, a show at night, I think is just, that's untenable. And yeah. I've gone back and watched some of that footage from those morning shows and I am so tired. <laughs> like you can just see, I'm just like, what? Like Regis, Regis Philbin is asking me questions and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, I'm sleeping. So, yeah. Um, but the cast was, so as far as I was concerned and aware of uh, very tight and very loving and it felt like a family and I'm Whenever still, I, yeah, go ahead. I'm still good friends with a lot of them to this day. So whenever yeah. you hear anyone talking about it, like the company, they always talk about their connection with you and wanting to uh, be part of the experience with you and lift so. you up. It does feel like there was, um, a lot of family in that building, yeah, which is yeah. a great thing to hear as a kid who listened to that album yeah. and wore it out and watched that commercial. <laughs> I recorded the, I recorded that oh, commercial. I know so it's great. like the queerest thing ever, but uh, <laughs> it just was the first time I remember seeing a kid on Broadway. So yeah. it had a very big impact on me and a lot of kids, my, you know, our generation yeah. that were, were Broadway fans, but didn't really know the you know, we're nine or 10 and didn't really know right. what business was and that you could be a kid on Broadway other than Les Mis. It didn't really feel like right. you have that big of a moment. Um, I think also in terms of that cast and like the connection that we all 
made. Um, it, there was, it was an extraordinary circumstance as well because my mother was diagnosed very shortly. It took me many years to realize how quickly that all happened. But I won the Tony in June of 91. And in September, my mom was diagnosed with, um, like, I don't know if it was stage four, but it was, it was uh, colon cancer that had already spread. Um, so the, the prognosis wasn't good. Um, and, and so I was here, I was playing this little girl who'd lost everything, you know, and, and these adults, I think were seeing like, oh my God, like she's going through something that no child should have to go through while also going through this incredible, like dream scenario being on Broadway. Um, so I think that also was like an extra, like glue, you know? And the, Speaking of the, you know, sort of that whole big experience being wrapped around this Tony nomination and then win, uh, what do you remember most about that experience as far as getting nominated, the night? Tell me about it if you can. Well, it's funny, you know, that's like award season, right? And I guess, I don't know if there's been, it's been added to since then, but back then it was the Outer Critics and the Drama Desk and the Tonys. And I had been nominated against Leia Salonga um, for the other two uh, for Best Actress. And I remember getting the phone call <clears throat> in the morning, like as I was getting ready for school, I guess, unless it happens on the weekend. See, you never know with these faulty memories. I think but, it happens in the morning, like on a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. So I was getting ready for school and my, you know, we get a call from my agent and he tells us that, that I've been nominated. And, you know, and it, <clears throat> again, we didn't, I didn't know enough. I'm sure my parents saw, probably saw it coming since the Outer Critics and the Drama Desk had already happened, but I certainly didn't think it was, it wasn't on my radar at all. Um, and I remember them telling me, and I remember running around the house yelling and screaming and jumping around and it's very excited. Did you go to school that day? Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> Were you bullied? <laughs> <laughs> no, finally at that point I had moved uh, to professional performing arts school and it was very new. It, it actually started the year that I started sixth grade. So I was in their inaugurating class. Um, and it was really trying to find its legs at that point. But um, no, so the, they were all theater kids. And, and they, so they, they knew. Um, mm, I, they knew better than the, the kids at 321 in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Which sounds like a terrible school. Um, <laughs> um, what do you remember about the night? Did you pick out, do you remember picking out your dress? Like that is such a wild experience to have as a kid. I can't yeah. even wrap my brain around it. Yeah. My mom, um, you know, she sort of, she was very, she was a radical feminist and she was an activist and she wrote about like women's health and, and, uh, she was researching a book on on um, like care for HIV and AIDS patients, and and she was raised by like two sort of communists from Eastern Europe, and she was very much like I'm a socialist, even though she owned a house in Brooklyn, so I don't know how much of a socialist she could have been, but that was her sort of thing. She was like rah rah socialism, and then I started making money, and she was like, ooh, <laughs> let's go shopping. <laughs> So we went to the Upper East Side and we we went dress shopping and we had never, you know, we had never spent this kind of money before. And I remember her sort of being appalled at 
how much these clothes were, especially considering how little fabric is <laughs> used. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we had a great time, you know, picking out my dress and, uh, oh my God, as a little sidebar, uh, years and years later, I was looking through my old clippings and stuff and there was a picture of me or there was a write-up of the Drama Desk Awards and the critic or whoever was writing up about the awards like um, insulted the dress that I was wearing. And I was like, I was 11, girl. Like, don't come after an 11-year-old. Like, leave her alone. I don't, that, that would not fly today. I don't no. I do think that would fly today. No, uh, I don't think so. I think he said it was like dowdy. And I'm like, pardon me? Anyway. Um, yeah, I went to my Aunt Wendy's house. She had a, she lived on the Upper West Side and I like sat in her jacuzzi and like, it was, you know, it was weird. It was weird. Uh, I think I had a show that day. Yeah, we had a mat, we had a matinee. You know, the whole thing is, it's just, a lot of it is a blur and a lot of it is like, do I remember that or do have I just seen it 75 million times on the clip? Um, and so I can tell you for sure the things I remember because they're not on tape, are like, I had a beanie cap with a propeller on it. And my sister wanted to wear it and they wouldn't let her in the theater with it on. <laughs> oh, God, um, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, I didn't, again, it's, I did not expect to win. It wasn't, my mom kept telling me that you're not going to win. They don't give Tonys to kids. This like, don't, but just in case, we're going to write some names down on a piece of paper. Uh, thank God. Because I, knowing me to this day, like if I'm under that kind of pressure, my mind will just erase. And I won't even know my own name. So yeah, if I had gotten up there with no, with no names on a paper, I would have just said thank you and walked away. Um, but again, it's like I didn't understand that like Audrey Hepburn giving me my award was a huge deal or huge deal. Huge. Um, and I walked off stage after I won. Wait, do you have any I, I always skip ahead, but no, keep going. I could listen to this all day, but go keep going. <laughs> I walked off, you know, after I gave my speech. And, oh, somebody in the speech at one point yelled out, I love you, Daisy, or we love you, Daisy. And, like, five people over the years have claimed that that was them. Um, and so I walk off, and the stage manager, like, one of the stage managers takes the Tony. And I was like, what? What? And he said, well, we need to take this. And I thought somehow I had, like, already done something to have it revoked. Uh, and he said, we have to engrave it. And I was like, oh, okay. This was back in the day when <clears throat> they didn't let you take the dummy like, duh, obviously, yes. yeah, you should have the dummy at the, like, press junket and at the party, but we weren't as, we weren't as, you know, picture savvy back then, um, and then I met uh, Lily Tomlin backstage, and I told her how much I loved uh, Edith Ann and Ernestine, and she sent me a VHS of those to the theater, of her doing those, and then another stage manager said, uh, you have to go um, across the street to the press junket. And I imagined myself walking over there by myself in this dress, 
Like it didn't occur to me that like someone was going to escort me over. I, my parents weren't there. Like it just, I had no idea what they were talking about. And I said, I don't have to do that. I'm just a kid. <laughs> and so I didn't go do the press junket. <laughs> I literally was picturing myself like crossing the street at 45th street, like fending off, you know, like pimps. <laughs> so, um, so you missed out on that. I missed out on that. Um, <laughs> How long did you stay in the show after the Tonys? Um, almost a year. I stayed in until April of 92. Wow. Um, so. And then how did you decide it's time to go? Did you feel like you were getting boobs and you had to leave? Like what, <laughs> what happens? No, I, my mom was really sick. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the idea was, um, I wasn't getting any time to spend with her and I was so exhausted. Um, you know, at that point I had an alternate who went on twice a week for me, which I think we had to like fight for and negotiate. This was before they cast yeah. three, four kids in a role. Um, and so I had done eight shows a week uh, through the Tonys and a little bit beyond. <clears throat> and then they finally, uh, put my alternate on twice a week, you know, and then my mom got diagnosed and she was going for surgeries and she was going for chemo and she would be up at <clears throat> Columbia hospital. So I would go to school and then I'd go all the way up to Columbia hospital and then I'd go to work. It was, it was too much, you know? Um, and I think also, you know, I was, um, a little bit bored in the show and I didn't, I was too young to sort of again, sort of appreciate it in a way that, that an older actor would, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so I, so I stepped away, uh, in, in April, it was, it was exactly a year to the day of when we started previews that, that the, uh, that the contract ended. Was it very hard to, to leave, to move on? Did you feel like that? Yeah, I was, I was very sad. Um, and the last show was, it was very hard. <clears throat> Sometimes it feels like kids who have a lot of identity on stage have a really hard time getting back into what it's like to be a real kid, especially, I mean, I can't imagine with what was on your plate and how mm -hmm. you could go from this experience of starring in a Broadway show, winning a Tony Award, and having your mom not be well. Like, mm -hmm. just a lot to ask for, of a young person to, like, take on. It's, it's a tremendous amount. Um, it's a lot. And... Yeah, I think for a lot of kids who are actors, especially if they start so young, yeah, being on stage or being in front of the camera is where they get the most um, attention and praise. And so suddenly having that go away, I mean, even for adults, you know, we get post-show blues, but I think for kids, and I think that's why a lot of kids, um, uh, child actors, have such a hard time transitioning and, and do sort of go down a, a terrible road because it, it it's jarring to suddenly be just a kid going to school when before like you know throngs of people wanted your autograph after the show you know so you just go back to regular school and try to be as normal or were you auditioning what happened after the show yeah you know i think i was auditioning a bit and and it was like, 
it was a year later that my mom died. So I don't know if I was auditioning that much or if I was sort of trying to focus as much as possible on being with your mom, being with my mom and being regular. You know, I, again, I went back to summer camp that summer. Um, and yeah, I, I don't remember. What were kids, how were kids reaction to you? Either just normal kids that, may have heard like that you were this fancy child actor or the kids who were going to school. Were they kind to you? Were they a nightmare? You know, just what was happening? I think, I think I remember my experience at PPAS being generally good. I made, I made good friends there. You know, I was friends with like the, you know, in the, in the teen comedies, you always see the lunchroom and it's like, there, there's the table of jocks. There's the table of goths. I was like the table of like weirdos in a, in a school full of weirdos. We were like the weird weirdos. Um, you know, I think we were the ones that were like a little more openly queer. Cause you know, basically the entire dance department was gay. They just hadn't figured it out yet. Um, they were and, like 12 or 13. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I certainly knew, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and don't forget too, this was New York city. So like, you know, kids who grow up in New York are a few years ahead, I think, in terms of a hundred percent. Yeah. Especially back then when there wasn't access to like Instagram or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, there were some bad kids at the school who were mean and crappy, but you know, I think that's sort of par for the course. Uh, and I, I don't remember being treated weirdly at camp like I don't it, it, I don't think it ever came up um and I didn't you know to this day I don't bring it up unless someone else does uh well I'll tell anyone who's around us <laughs> uh, when was the Sondheim celebration that that amazing video that lives on and people talk about and you know play musical Mondays and things <clears throat> when was that that was, was um, that, that was after you were not in the show anymore right I was not in the show but it, I had sort of i must have just recently left. And I think that was the last thing that my mom, she came to see it live. And then it was the last thing she saw me do. Cause it re you know, it aired on PBS, like, you know, that winter, uh, very shortly before she died. Um, I mean, a great thing for her to get to see you get yes. to do, um, in such an amazing night of all these incredible yes. Broadway adults. And then to have this kid come out and stop the show is like a really, magical moment. Yeah, I was, um, again, I think the fact that I didn't know a lot was helpful. <laughs> Um, it seems to have helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was terrified, though. Like, standing in the wings about to go on, I literally asked um, the stage manager if we could cancel the number. And they were like, no. Like, no. <laughs> I can't remember if it was, like, Betty that performed before me. Whoever it was, they were like, they're on. Like, you can't. No. Um, and someone had to push me on stage. Uh, I was, you know, I came out like in, in a clump of chorus girls and they were like shoving me cause I, I just was so scared. 
Um, and then it was one of those things where you can't see the audience because it's so dark. And so I, I calmed way down. And then <clears throat> when I, you know, when I show my headshot uh, in the middle of the song and there was this huge eruption of laughter, that's when I got freaked out again. I was like, oh God, there's so many people here. <laughs> well, it's like brilliant. Have you watched it like at all recently? Yeah. Well, yeah, my son is into it, so. It's real good. What does he say when he sees you, kind of, clips of you as a kid? Um, he recognizes me always. Uh, like, you show him a, a very young picture of me, and he'll, he'll know it's me, which is crazy to me. Uh, now, whenever he hears Broadway Baby in any iteration, he goes, Mama, that's your song. And I'm like, well. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he thinks it's, oh, the other day, what was this? Oh, so there's a reading program, uh, during the quarantine or whatever you want to call this, um, where, yeah, apocalypse, where, um, celebrities read kids books and it's really neat. I can't remember what it's called. It's like reading for kids or something. And like Chris O'Dowd has done it and Sarah Silverman and, and a friend of mine works at the Center for New Fiction and they're doing their own version of it. And she's asked me to read some like um, LGBT friendly kids books. And so I was telling Monty, I was like, where is um, Julian as a mermaid in Jacob's new dress? I have to go record those. And he's like, are you doing reading for kids? And I was like, I wish I was doing reading for kids. I said, I'm not famous enough. He goes, you're famous enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thank you, Monty. You know what? I'm famous enough for me too. I appreciate that. <laughs> that is fabulous. So, that's like the quote of the episode. Um, now, so you go to college, but you don't major in theater, yeah? Correct. Great. Was the goal like, I have to do anything else? Or you? what were you thinking at that point in your life? Um, you know, to be honest, I think, I went, first of all, I went to school a year early. So I thought I was ready. <laughs> Uh, like getting married at 23. I thought I was ready. Uh, I, I wouldn't was, advise it. <laughs> no, I thought I was such a grown up. And looking back, I'm like, wow. Um, I, you know, I was like, I'm putting that behind me. I, I don't need to study acting. I've got, I've got my education on the stage. And, you know, I did, I did regrettable things. I mean, I don't regret any of it because I wouldn't have my son if, if my life had gone a different way, but like I went and auditioned for uh, Anne Frank and I booked it and I was like, no, I'm in college now. Like that was dumb, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I've had 25 years to reckon with that. So it's okay. Um, but yeah, I really felt like I was putting it behind me. And then I think I did take like an acting class and I was just looking at my evaluation from it recently. And the teacher was like, what did she say? She was like, Daisy needs to learn how to, Oh, I can't remember. If it comes to you, feel free yeah. to jump in. Yeah. So wait, when was the it factor? That was the name oh, of that, God. right? Yeah, the it factor. Am I allowed to talk about that? <laughs> sure. That was another regrettable moment in my life. I just it watched not long ago, maybe in the last year, I watched the first, first or second episode at oh, a party. Why? Why? It was just like, do you guys remember this? And it was on, and oh. then people started to watch it. 
I mean, it was Bravo. You're like an original Real Housewife. It's Bravo. Before I know Bravo. it was. It was before they were doing reality TV. Yeah. Um, and it was before, like you know, I certainly didn't understand. None of us understood. Like they're going to edit it. To, you know, they're going to figure out who our character is and sort of edit us. Edited us to be that way. Although I like to joke that they they edited me to be like the angry, depressed one. In that I showed up and I was angry and depressed, and they just put it on (laughs) you gave them yeah exactly i um i was pretty angry and depressed (laughs) uh and i was very um at that point in my life i was very resentful and i was really uh disconnected from the business and from the discipline of my craft and so I wasn't really booking things because I, I wasn't, you know, I was terrible at auditioning. I was, I was sort of terrified of it. And I think my, my, my nerves came across as like, uh, probably (laughs) attitude. Um, and, uh, so yeah. So the factor was like me sort of being like, why can't I get work? And then it ends with me like booking a big job at, at La Jolla. Um. <laughs> How hard was it for casting to see you as an adult? Oh, that's, I don't know. Oh, you mean in general? In general, like, did you ever feel like you were fighting for people to be like, I'm not 11? I, yes, I felt that way a lot. Um, and I still feel that way. Not so much with casting as with like, especially like older gay musical theater fans. So like, I'll be salty and they'll be like, you're not 11 anymore. And I'm like, no, how creepy would it be if I was like, have you seen whatever happened to baby Jane? Um, uh, But yeah, I, I went in for a very famous prominent Broadway director in my early twenties. And, you know, in my teens, I had like dyed my hair green and blue and whatever. And like, Nowadays, that's completely normal for for actors. Back then, it was not. Back then, it was like I was ruining my career by by making these choices. And so, I got into this audition in my in my early twenties, and this director said, "Oh, I see you don't have green hair anymore." And I was like, "I mean, that's not a way to put me at ease. <laughs> don't don't want to feel good." Not ideal. Um, and I think I think more than casting seeing me as a kid, I think I was tripping myself up because I think that I was assuming that my um, reputation was preceding me, whatever that might be. So I think that every time I went into a, an audition, I thought, oh, they're, they're going to expect a Tony Award winning performance. And I just got these these sides yesterday. And it was a lot of pressure and it was, it was scary. And also I wasn't keeping up with my voice lessons. Um, you know, I have, I have a lot of natural raw talent that I think could to this day could be honed into something really sellable. I just, I've learned that I'm not actually that interested in, in making it that sellable. So, but I, but you know, I'm going in against, people who are, this is their, this is their one passion. Uh, 
and it became clear to me many years later that 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 was not necessarily my one passion and that that was okay but it was i think reflecting in my performances and auditions i mean you still managed to book like quite a bit of work <laughs> like, <laughs> there's just so many TV shows so many plays so many musicals um i feel like you've been very busy i appreciate that it's you know it's so funny because this, my therapist will, I'll, I'll repeat that to my therapist and she'll be like, see? Well, because, no, I was like doing my Googling in yeah. the last couple of days and I'm like, God, there's so much here. Stuff I, of oh. course I knew about, but like, wait, obviously I knew about the humans, wild party. Like you just, yeah. you've done a lot of stuff. And then all of those. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you're right. I guess in my mind, I'm like, well, you're either a failure or you're Audra McDonald. And you know. I forget that there's like a whole rainbow in between failure and Audra McDonald. And I'm sure that Audra McDonald wakes up some days and feels like a big failure. So, you know, it's, it's, I hold myself in all aspects of my life, my parenting, my being a partner, my, my queer visibility, my career, my cooking, all of it. I hold myself to a standard that is um, not fair. Uh, So yeah, I feel like, oh, I'm supposed to be way farther ahead. But I think to a lot of people, they look at my career and they go, oh, my God, that's a lot of work. Um, so, yeah. I do want to talk about, well, no, I'm, and girls, oh, wait, we didn't even talk about girls. It's on my list, but we're going yeah. to have to, we have to keep moving. Was girls like the coolest experience? Um, girls was pretty amazing. And I hadn't really, I binged the first season after I booked it because I was like, I guess I should know what okay. this is. <laughs> um, and I will say that Adam Driver is, at least then, he was one of the sweetest, uh, most generous um, scene partners. And Lena was was lovely and warm, and I felt very cared for. And and uh, and yeah. And since Girls had come out, everyone had said had said to me, "You you look like Lena Dunham. You look like Lena Dunham." Um, so it was the absolute perfect. You know, I was playing her doppelganger. Uh, so it was absolutely the perfect role that I that I could have gotten. <laughs> and you're very good in it. So thank you. Thank um, you. Okay, we have to talk about one thing before we get to the end of this, where, um, yeah. which is kind of going back to Secret Garden, which I know has been yeah. a big obviously, theme of your life. But doing the um, the big David Geffen Hall uh, yeah. was that twenty? How, what year anniversary was that? 20? Uh, well, it was twenty fifteen. So okay. it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like a. <laughs> It was a yeah. big, yeah. Um, but I was there at that. Oh. You guys did two performances. And that first performance was like maybe the craziest ovation I've ever experienced in a theater in my life when you entered uh, oh. as Martha. Talk to me about it. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I heard, I found out they were doing the this concert. I had just moved back to New York. I was coming off of a very rough few years, um, just personally. And I found out that they were doing this concert and I immediately called my agents and I said, you need to get me in for this. And they were having trouble for some reason. I don't know why, it doesn't matter, but they were having trouble getting me in. And meanwhile, this other concert version happened that was already cast and they asked me if I would come be a co-host. 
uh, like introduce it in the beginning and talk about, I think it was Make-A-Wish that they were raising money. It was for. like at the Lortel or Yes, something. exactly. Yeah. So because of the two different concerts, I think it was Playbill did an interview with Marsha and Lucy and me and um, Rebecca Luker. And we're sitting there and someone brings up the Lincoln Center concert. And I turn to Marsha and Lucy and I say, I know somebody perfect for Martha. And they literally go, who? And I was like, what do you mean who? Me. And Lucy said, can you sing it? And I said, yeah. And she said, are you sure? And I was like, let me come audition. I'm not asking you to give me the part. Like, let me come sing for you. Let me show you that I can sing a B. Come on. Um, so, you know, so she said, okay, I'll, I'll, we'll bring you in. And then I went into panic mode and I was like, I have to find a voice teacher immediately. Uh, and 24 hours later, after that conversation, my agent called and said that they had offered it to me. Um, Michael Kazarin had gone on YouTube and just like looked at some clips of me and he was like, yeah, she's, yes, she, she yes, she can sing this. Um, so that in itself was like a massive thing, a massive win. Um, it was like, you know, it was like vision boarding something and having it happen immediately. Um, and then, uh, you know, it was weird to be in rehearsals with people that had no connection to the original, except for Barbara Rosenblatt, um, who had played Mrs. Medlock. Everywhere. Uh, everywhere. <laughs> I did Secret Garden with her too. Oh, <laughs> like in that, We did like a weird concert and she was Mrs. Medlock and the dialect coach. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. We could have a whole other podcast about Barbara Rosenblatt. Sure. Um, so anyway, um, I, you know, again, I think there must have been a part of me that blocked out like how significant it was going to be for other people uh, because I, I think I would have been too paralyzed by fear. I did end up getting a really bad flu and sinus infection and I had the ENT. I felt very fancy. She came to Lincoln Center on Sunday um, and she like shot me full of drugs and I was like, I'm king of the world. Um, and yeah, I you know, I walked on stage and I said, well, hello there, Mary. And the audience fell apart. And I think it was in a lot of ways, I think it was like a, it was like a moment for all of us together to like, I mean, for me, it was like, I feel like a healing moment. It was sort of closing the chapter on a, on a portion of my life that was incredibly meaningful and obviously seminal and important and also very painful and, you know, was, was one of the most traumatic, tra tragic times in my life. So it was very, for me, it was very healing. And I think for the audience, yeah, it was like. It was a very special, cool experience for all yeah. of us who are like obsessed with the show yeah. and uh, your performance and, to see you be so also so brilliant. It's not like you yeah, came back and you, you sucked. Thank you. Um, and then we've done it a couple of times since that concert. Yeah, well, yeah. well, we we ended up doing a co co-production um tour after that, which I can't talk too much about because no, it ended up yeah, it ended we'll up being right. we'll consider We'll consider the Lincoln Center the. But I but I will say I do want to say about that co-production is that's a really good example. You know when we were in D.C., which was the first leg of that two-city tour, they announced it in Broadway World, and they were like Broadway bound, 
you know, and everybody backstage was jumping up and down and people were texting me like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I was like, everyone calm down, just calm down. Like this doesn't mean anything. This is a press release by people who are trying to raise money for a product. Like don't, don't, don't write your checks yet. And this is what I mean when I say don't celebrate until you're drinking champagne at the opening night party, because Yes, it's great to feel happy and to celebrate your successes, but but don't get your hopes up because this is this is a weird, twisty, turny business, and especially nowadays with seventy five producers on a on a show, you know, if twenty five of them suddenly decide to pull out, there goes the show. So just be cautiously happy. <laughs> That's Stay my motto: like, cautiously happy. Okay, we have to talk about your tweet. That is my favorite thing ever, which is I have a job interview tomorrow for a temp job packing human breast milk. I also have a Tony Award. <laughs> um, it's the great, it's the greatest tweet of all time. Thank you. Um, and I just want to applaud you for your Thank your you. great Twitter work. Thanks. I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, and the response to that was quite big, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, it was it was like in the days before like serious viral you know, tweets and stuff. So I, I, I like to say it, it went semi-viral. Um, it was, it was fun. It was a fun little ride. You're, you're a very um, creative human and you just made like the funniest uh, quarantine video, which people <laughs> see at uh, daisyegan.com um, and on your uh, Instagram and uh, basically your child following you around the house as a haunted, <laughs> very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, keep it coming. Um, okay. okay, we have to do obsessed and quick fire questions, and I have to let you go. Okay. Um, what are you obsessed with right now? What's getting you through this time? Is there a TV show, a book series, a book? I don't know how to read, so um, <laughs> feel free to hit us with something good. Um, I've been reading a lot the last two years, but I wouldn't say there's a book that I'm obsessed with right now. I will tell you, and this is so embarrassing, and I can't believe that I'm going to admit this. <clears throat> But you heard it here folk, first, folks. I have gotten really into Married at First Sight. <laughs> I was not, this is not what I was expecting. I'm so embarrassed. Because um, you're like a very smart person. And <laughs> you know what's so awful about it is it's like, it's so heteronormative. And it's so like just hammering in these ideas of like male and female and this horrible toxic masculinity where men are like, I'm not going to cry. And it's like, well, why not? Like, that's your, why, why not? Yeah. Just cry. You're going to feel better. Um, but you know, the, the new, the season nine, I'd never seen it before. It was on Netflix. So I watched it and then I went back and just started from the beginning. Uh, and I'm on season five now. And I'm like, maybe I should apply for married at first sight. Cause at the very least, you get a free vacation to the Bahamas. Like, does sound nice. come on, I can spend eight weeks with some, you know, ding dong just to, to go to the, to go to St. Croix. Also love it for a site is another like awful, fabulous thing. All right. Well, I will check it out. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you something else to watch. Um, my obsession this week is a show called the great on Hulu, which is about Catherine the great. It's, oh. it's so fun. It's kind of like, the, through the lens of Gossip Girl, like Dakota Fanning, I think is, is I don't know which Fanning I'm watching, but I think it's L. But yeah, L Fanning. I don't know them. I just, yeah, I just find her quite charming. Yes. Um, also, of course, like Shit's Creek is incredible, and 
my my husband, I can't believe I'm saying that, has gotten really into uh, what we do in the shadows from Ooh. FX, which is fun. All right, I'm writing it uh, down. Very funny. And then, um, oh, he got really into a show called The Repair Shop, which is about this little repair shop in England where literally people come, they're like, We've had this vase in our family for for centuries, and I broke it. I'm afraid to say. And is any place? Can you repair it? And then they just show the woman repairing it. She's like, yeah, she's that's like, British I'm television. I'm mixing cerulean blue with a little bit of Elmer's glue, and and I look over at Kurt one point, and he's literally sitting there crying, watching it. And I'm like, okay, this we is. We watch the British baking show, do you? Uh, I have seen it. Yes. It's the same thing. It's like yeah. you cry, you, you nap, you wake up from the nap. <laughs> it's, it's, and everyone's like, Oh, are you having trouble with your bread? Let, let me, me help you. you. Yeah, um, um, Zumbo's just desserts is also really fun. Right, I'm on to all of it. Okay. Are you ready for your Broadway workshop? Quick fire questions. Oh boy. Right, yeah. Just the first thing you think of when I say these things okay. first, uh, Oh, favorite fast food item. Oh, Jesus. Favorite fast food item. Hold on. You to go with your gut. Oh, a fish taco from, uh, or fish burrito from Cactus Taqueria. Great. First word that comes to your mind when I say Mandy Batakin. <laughs> a lot. Okay. Favorite holiday. Oh, it used to be Thanksgiving, but that's so problematic. It is problematic. Um, Okay, what is it now if it's not Thanksgiving? Um, they're all they're all problems. Yeah, they're really. Uh, let's come up with a new one. Okay. Um, uh, um, well, listen, so June is Gay Pride Month. This, yes, this episode's coming June. out in June. We're gonna go with our Gay Pride June. Month. Yes. June is my favorite holiday. Do you ever get confused with Susan Egan? All the time. All the time. I my favorite pull quote that I like to put on my cabaret posters is i'm sorry i thought you were susan egan rex reed that's a oh, real God, thing so good yeah. um first probably show you ever saw les miserables and you're in it that worked out yeah um <laughs> did you have braces uh i've done invisalign twice oh i've just done it once but see this tooth pops out yeah um okay have if you had a yacht what would you call it oh i'd call it um Ad, uh Yacht. it's okay. a long story um, if you could star in any Broadway show, but you're the only human and everyone else is puppets, what is it? It's a weird question. Thank you, Eli Foodman, for that question. <laughs> if I could star in any Broadway show, but I'm the only human and everyone else is puppets. Yeah, what um, would be entertaining? <laughs> <laughs> um, the heiress. Great. Uh, I would buy a full price ticket to that. <laughs> what would your superhero power be? <clears throat> oh, um, shutting down male to toxic masculinity. Oh, I love it. Worst job you ever had? Um, oh, God, that's hard. Uh, I just uh, two days ago got fired from a temp job that was like a remote customer service job that I really hated and was literally trying to get fired from. So let's say that one. Mission accomplished. Um, where do you keep your Tony? Uh, it's on the mantle right next to my plastic uh, Hollywood Comedy Shorts Festival Award for Best Short Screenplay. Great. First thing you think of when I say lame is? Dirt. What store do you shop in the most? Ralph's. It, can you name That's one show on TLC? 
my 600 pound life probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there a castle on the cloud? Always, always. Would you let your kid audition for a Broadway show? No. Do you know yes, any songs? Yeah. Yes. When he's 30. Okay. Um, do you know any songs in MAME? Put on your Sunday shows and put on Not in MAME, but okay. you're getting close. Cool. Um, what do you want on your bagel? Uh, uh, lox, cream cheese, red onion, tomato, and capers. Best opening night gift? <sighs> Like theoretically or that I've gotten? That you've gotten ideally, but you can. You can <laughs> I mean, theoretically, it. it would be like a big thing of like caviar. Okay. Um, we, <laughs> no, no taken. Um, okay. <laughs> Last Broadway show you auditioned for? <sighs> to Kill a Mockingbird. I want that for you. Um, yeah, I did too. I want blank movie to be a musical. None of them. Enough already. Okay, no, great. <laughs> Um, what role should Patty Lapone play in The Secret Garden? Archie. Um, favorite app on your phone? Uh, the one I use the most is Instagram, unfortunately. Have you ever eaten at Applebee's? Probably. Wasn't it gross? <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Weirdest experience as a child star? That might be a long question, but I'm sure you can give me something. Uh, weirdest experience. Oh, uh, uh, having Mandy Patinkin take me to Disneyland, uh, as a bonding experience before we started rehearsals for the secret garden. That is so weird. And I can't believe I don't know that story. And watching him and being with him while he followed a hunchback all around the park to like figure out how to move like a hunchback. Oh my God. That's so good. Okay. Um, do you get recognized? Occasionally. Um, these, days get, these days I get recognized for good trouble more than anything else. All right. Um, where do you watch any shows on Bravo? No. Good trouble is also like you're on a ton of episodes, right? Like you're. Yeah. You're, yeah. Everyone watch it. Um, can, <laughs> can you name two real housewives? Uh, you know, Gina and Tina. <laughs> name, there is a Gina. Um, <laughs> name a musical you're okay with never seeing again. Oh, uh, fudge. Um, I can't. It'll be too controversial for okay. me to say that. Um, if you can go I, back and, yes, do you want to answer it? I don't know. I don't know. All right, you can text me after. Um, if you can go back in time and see any Broadway show, what would it be? I'm supposed to just say the first thing off my head. Yeah. I know. The thing is, is I'm not like a huge Broadway. Mm. I would go back. Uh, you know what I would see is the revival of um, Once on this Island. I'm really bummed that I missed it. It was so good. Um, when was the last time you sang Girl, I Mean to Be? <sighs> uh, long t a long time ago. Do people send you daisies? Not really. Okay. Um, what movie can you watch over and over again? Casino Royale. The, okay. the, the Daniel Craig one. All right, and this is the last question. One thing you want people to know about you? Um, one thing I want people to know about me. Um, you know, I'm really warm and friendly. I just don't, I just don't look at immediately, but I love, I love everyone. Daisy, tell the people where they can follow you and find you and all that fun stuff. 
Um, follow me on Instagram, <laughs> Daisy Egan, E-A-G-A-N. Um, on Twitter occasionally, but I'm a little more political there. And my- We need you to be. Now's the time. Be political. Yeah. Uh, my website is daisyegan.com and I am going to get back to blogging as soon as I have my brain back in my head. And you're a very good blogger. I read a bunch of them today. Um, you need to write a book. I mean, my literary manager agrees with you. Okay, great. Um, Daisy, I could talk to you all day. I love hearing your stories. I so appreciate you taking the time out to do this. My and, pleasure. Uh, I'm sorry we went a little over. I'll send you a gift card. Um, oh, my God, please. But I adore you. You've had such a big impact on so many young theater people's lives, um, you. whether you know it or not, and you do great work, and I love seeing you on anything that you do. So uh, keep up the brilliance, and um, I just Thanks, thank you. Thank you. And, and congratulations on this amazing podcast. It's so cool. We're having a good time. So friends, if you enjoy it, rate, subscribe, all of that. Follow the Little Me podcast. Follow me, Mark Tuminelli, on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or Twitter and all that fun stuff. Um, thank you, Daisy. Everyone stay safe. Wash your hands. And uh, we'll see you soon. And wear a mask. Wear a mask. It's like not that hard. <laughs> thank you, Daisy. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.